This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And a flash from the past, a band that I have not seen since 2000? 2001? No, we did. It was, I think it was 2003 when we did Sick. Right. Joseph Leonardi or Joe Leonardi. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Joseph Leonardi. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> He's grown up now. He's Joseph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been Joseph since I was in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are a veteran. I consider you a veteran actor. I think uh, I know you've done work here in the Bay Area, but I have a feeling you've done work a, a bunch of other places as well. But you and I know each other from Eastenders Repertory Company. You right. remember, right? Right. That was one of my favorite companies to work with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk a bunch about that. Norman, I haven't seen your face in about a month or so. You were busy We've been doing... in communication, but now. <laughs> you were busy doing much ado about nothing. I was busy doing radio yeah. golf. Yeah. And uh, now we're taking a break, our little summer, fall break. It's wild uh, for me because I've just been going pretty much nonstop for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And right now, don't know what's next. So I am capital U, unemployed. <laughs> Which means EDD is about to send me my first check. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, nice. I can do this. <laughs> so even during the pandemic, you were working a lot. I well, like a lot of people during the pan when it started, when the lockdown started, so many employers said, "Here, just here's the money. Don't don't even worry about it." And I loved it. It happened with grantors and everybody where they were just like, "Just take the money and don't worry about it." By the end of that first summer, people were antsy because, of course, normally a season would be starting. People got antsy. Um, one of my many hats that I wear is I work with Playground SF. And they do a, during the regular theater season, they do a thing called Monday Night Playground. Um, so it's the third Monday of the month, um, October through March. And we didn't want to shut down. So we did that first season in lockdown on Zoom. And that worked okay, but we really wanted... And it was funny, because what we did was... It was live broadcast. We actually put performers in spaces and had them perform. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we very quickly kind of upped our game in terms of that. And that kept me busy. And then I did some readings. Reg and I did... um, Yeah, the Baldwin Project. No, um, uh... Uh, Genies, uh, Maddie May. Oh, that's right, Maddie. And then, oh, you're uh, going way back, yeah. And we you know what I'm saying in the lockdown. It yeah, was Maddie May and Jewel, um, um, the um, the the first office radio golf. Thing. Yeah, was it radio? Oh, oh no, Jim of the Ocean. Jim of the Ocean, and we also did radio golf. And we and we did radio you were golf. Roosevelt. I was old Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so I stayed busy at least project wise and yes. had money, so that was okay. And then things started picking up. I again another one of ha- many hats that I wear. Um, I modeled for art classes. So they started doing that on Zoom, and then I had a sculpture teacher. We had been talking for years, and we could never make the schedule work, because I was always doing projects, suddenly not doing much. So we <coughs> set it up live. <clears throat> there were students who didn't come in. It was Zoomed for them. But there were students in the room, and they put me in basically a human-sized fish tank. They made this plexiglass box, and I modeled inside the box. <laughs> Wow. Hmm? So no, I've yeah. one way or the other, I've just stayed busy. And I threatened to go on unemployment twice in the last three years. And 
the first time I didn't even get a chance to do anything before I picked up another job. The second time we were talking about it downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, second time I went through all, they make you jump through all these hoops. They want to make sure there's no fraud. They want to make sure they know who you are. Um, so that took me days just to get through that process. And then just as I was ready to start to apply, I got another gig. Nice. So this time I was like, okay, I'm put it out to the universe seems to think that if I say I'm going to take unemployment, that I need a job. So <laughs> I'm going to take unemployment. Yeah. And you know, the cool thing about it is even with COVID-19, people still have the need to produce theater and to see theater. Yep. It just it would not die. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought, I mean, I, during COVID, I was stage managing tiny, be- tiny, beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And that got shut down because it was at the Douglas Morrison Theater and Hart just shut everything down. Hayward, mm-hmm. recreation, whatever. But other theater companies were like, hey, you know, we'll have protocols. We'll do things and we'll test people. And, you know, I just finished doing uh, radio golf and we had COVID policies. You know, we mm-hmm. had people mask up. We did testing once a week. So it's like, hey, we don't care if there's a pandemic. We're going to do live theater. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. You know, we did uh, we did our film mm-hmm. during the pandemic too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had a uh, we did a, like an original reading on Zoom as well, and people were in different locations. Yeah, just so we could uh, get interest, you know, and right. say, hey, who's you know. Who wants to work on the project? Right. Mm-hmm. Who wants to uh, help fund the project? You yeah. Know, it was great. No. It's no. amazing I, how I was, I'm just very impressed. Like the creative spirit just it can't die. It's going to, like a like a little flower coming out of the side of a mountain. You know? Right, exactly. Like, no matter what the infrastructure is, it's going to yeah. grow. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what. So that's a wonderful thing. So it's good. And I keep on hearing there's a epidemic or there's a new variant coming out now. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> coming out like they're... <laughs> right, exactly. They're promoting it. Like a new movie or something like that. I'm coming out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, and it's been interesting for me. So this will be my first first podcast since having my job at the Oakland District Attorney's Office. I know. I definitely want to hear more about this. I I was shocked. Yeah. So after 26 years, I got a job offer to work here at Oakland, and I've been doing this for about a month. It's different. I'm doing things I've never done before. Oh, so I'm like yeah. jumping into a pond, and the you know the the pool is a lot deeper mm-hmm. <laughs> than before. But you know, I'm you know basically I'm doing a lot of. Um, Skills that I hadn't done before, like research mm-hmm. and analysis of cases. These are workers' comp cases. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas beforehand, I was just shuffling paper around and, you know, basically the, the runner, the go-to guy. But it's cool, and I enjoy it. And just the environment. I mean, Pamela Price, African-American, DA. Yeah. I'm surrounded oh, by... Oh, you're in that office. Oh, yes. That's impressive. And it's so amazing how down-home she is, Pamela Price. Yeah. Usually the DA. I've heard like, her speak, yeah. Hey, you know, I've, they've got security guards, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing speeches. Yep. Forget about the little man, you know, I got to yep. go here and go there. The office, And she'll yeah. just like walk in the office, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, just... It's almost like my mom. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mom, I'm working. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> but how are you doing? But I mean, it's it's that comfort, and it's so weird. It's it's amazing how conditioned we are to you know, like the nine to five and what work is, and you know, and, what? yeah, it's, it's changed with uh, COVID. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I mean, it was there was kind of a little bit of a movement around, uh, like trauma informed, right? You know, being aware of that mm-hmm. when you're. Yeah. And just the whole idea of what is normalcy is like, well, yeah. it's normal for you to work eight to five and oh, yeah. work overtime mm-hmm. and put on a, you know, either three piece suit or a white shirt. And, you know, it's, it's normal to to do these tasks that, you know, you aren't comfortable with doing. But, you know, the boss tells you you got to do it. So you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm a little stressed out, but that's just how job, office job work is. I mean, neither. I don't think either of you. I don't think you've ever you, you've done office work before. Yes. But years uh, ago, right? Decades ago. <laughs> right. Mark, I was doing market research, mm. and then I was doing um, what did you, emergency road service. I yeah. was working for an emergency. I was in a dispatch center for that. Yeah. And and then I worked for a uh, insurance adjuster. Okay. You know, the, the folks that they call the ambulance chasers, and I yeah. found out how that's not true. Here's the fact. You pay for insurance. If you go to make a claim, the insurance company isn't going to go, oh, yeah, here's all the money we could possibly give you. The insurance company is going to say, no, let's cut you down. So insurance adjusters make their money by looking for folks damage, property damage usually, for Mm -hmm. over Mm $100,000. And they go to you and they say, the insurance company is not going to give you $100,000. Insurance company is going to try and drop that down. If you give us permission, we will get you, we just want 10% of what we get you, and we'll get you more than what they want to offer. And it's true almost all the time, so they do just well. I did that for six months, Mm -hmm. and then I went to Cal Shakes, Mm -hmm. and I haven't looked back. I love it. I love the different, like, work that people do in the arts. and. Mm You want to hear the story of my first office job? Yeah, please. Okay. All right. So I was waiting tables, doing theater, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Here in the Bay? Yeah, in the Bay Area. Yeah. And uh, I got a a lead on a a gig at a travel agency, and it was Seamer and Hand Travel in San Francisco. And I show up there. And I forget the name of it, mm-hmm. and I don't see it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the owner, one of the owners, was had this very he- heavy Hungarian accent. And he said, "Well, go down to the mail room and uh, and tell them you want the want the mail for for us." And I'm like, "Okay, wh- wh- who do I tell them I want it for?" Same in the hand travel. I'm like, what? Same in the hand travel. I'm like, what? What is it? Same in the hand travel. I'm like, oh my god. Okay, so I don't ask him the third time. I'm just like, okay. And I'm thinking he said, semen in hand. And I'm like, that that cannot be right. So I'm in line waiting for the mail, and I get up there, and I'm like. I'm here for uh, the mail for semen in hand travel. And the guy said, semen in hand travel? <laughs> he said, oh, it's semen in hand. I'm like, oh, oh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see me going for the elevator door. Hold the elevator door. <laughs> <laughs> right, funny, funny, funny. But just um, really the, the concept of what is normal. Like, you know, we're, we're getting, especially with COVID-19, people mm-hmm. are saying, hey, listen, I don't need to be in the office 24-7. I don't need to be in the office right. you know, seven days a week or five days a week or whatever, or the eight-hour work day or the 40-hour work week. Yep. People are pushing back on that. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what the new normal is. I, <laughs> yeah. I actually I like going into work. Mm-hmm. I do because I like the interaction. Yeah. Being at home too, too much by myself, that's yeah. not good right. yeah. for yeah. me. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And people need the, the regimen. 
you know, there are a lot of people who retire and they're almost depressed because like, wow, yeah. I'm leaving my family or I'm leaving this, this regimen, you know, I'm oh, waking up at seven or eight. What do I do now? <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to do a nine to five because uh, my, my grandfather mm-hmm. who had recently retired at that point, um, liked to work with his hands and he didn't, there were some tools he did not have. And so he calls a buddy up and the buddy says, oh yeah, come over. You can get whatever you want. So for some reason, they bring 16-year-old me along, I guess, as muscle. I don't know. We get there. This mm-hmm. guy can't make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> thing he <laughs> says mm-hmm. is he just can't get a sentence out. His hands are shaking so bad. That's why he's saying, take all my tools. Oh. And the poor man had been retired two months. Oh, my God. And he died before he was six months. Mm-hmm. And I went... <coughs> Yeah, won't be doing that. Not, yep, not yep. doing that. I would right. rather work till the day I die than live that. Thank you. I once, one Halloween, mm-hmm. I went as a city employee who couldn't afford to retire yet. A deceased city employee <laughs> who couldn't afford nice. to retire yet. So mm-hmm. I still had to show up for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my mother, she when she retired too, she kind of <clears throat> sat on the couch and... Mm-hmm. Turned up CNN and the police scanner, and that was mm. that's about all she wrote for her. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's interesting. There have been a couple of uh, current events. I tried to squeeze this in before, um, you know, just to see what's happening in the world. Turn on the uh, the CNN. Jimmy Buffett has passed away. Not that I have any yeah. fond memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Margaritaville. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Which apparently is what he lived for the rest and, of his life. And so did Colin Powell. Died of COVID. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy Today? Buffett died of COVID. Yeah, Colin Powell. Yeah, no, Colin Powell died a while back. But you saying yeah. Jimmy Buffett died of COVID? No, no, no. I thought it was. I thought he. No, no, no. I, I thought Colin Powell just died of COVID. No, 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 so. no. Not really? that you're kidding, uh, Jimmy Buffett. And then the next one is new COVID strain. But, uh, okay, okay. No, but oh. Jimmy Buffett he passed away. Um, I mean, yeah, Margaritaville and the whole you know laid back lifestyle. Yeah. And the, uh, the what which is this, this, contemporary this pictures of him? That's he's sitting on a damn. He's on a boat. He's on a boat with yeah. his guitar. Yeah. Nice but he, he turned a bit right wing in the latter part of his, uh, his who life. Who doesn't? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Not that right wing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of right wing, so this is another crazy thing. So in Texas, they're, they're getting even more draconian as far as these laws and legislatures. They're trying mm. to now legislate prosecuting someone who transports someone right. via highway. Yeah. If someone's going getting an abortion, I mean, it, it reminds me so much of when I read about the um, the Fugitive Slave Act. You know, anyone oh, right. who helped yeah. a slave yes. Yes. get across yep. would be arrested, or anyone yep. who would yep. help bring a slave back mm-hmm. would be rewarded. It's getting crazy. I don't know when it's when it's going to end. Well, it'll <laughs> hopefully next year. Yeah, yeah, the election. I mean, you know, it, it'll it'll swing. I think I'm not as doom and gloom as a lot of people. I mean, it may be very ugly. It may get really, really ugly. Mm -hmm. But as with history, people tend to bounce back. People tend to rise up. People tend to, Mm -hmm. you know, speak out. Well, you would think that with Trump, with I think this is his third or fourth indictment, that fourth, fourth, yeah, yeah. fourth yeah. indictment. They don't with care. A, and with more the to fifth come. one coming, yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't care. They, they do think not it's care. All, uh, just out to get him. Yeah, yeah. 
And right. that, and that's the thing that really, I mean, Trump himself doesn't bother me. It's the people that support him, yes. that continue mm-hmm. to support him. That's a little weird. It's it's You don't understand it, even with other options like Ron DeSanto, although I hear his campaign is being derailed, and this uh, Indian guy. I was talking oh, yeah. to an Indian friend of mine, and uh-huh. she was like, oh, it's wonderful to have this Indian guy running for president. It's so much for the Indian community. It's like, well, he's a bit right-wing. Yeah. And yeah. he sounds a bit, you know, he, he has a lot of crazy um, notions. Oh, but, yeah. Well, yeah. his and his sense of history is just completely off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So there's that. Uh, some fun news. Oh, well, the Chop Bar. I, it crushed me that the Chop Bar is now gone. The Chop yeah. Bar is a little restaurant. There are all these little I, I places like in the, the Bay Area. I didn't like the new location. I like the old location. Yeah. Well, apparently a lot of folks didn't, too. I rode up. I was going to get something to eat after a rehearsal. And oh. A, a neighbor walked by and says, yep, they're gone. I'm like, damn. So there's some places that are opening up and are thriving, like Nito's Backyard. But then, Which is thriving, yeah. Yeah. And now you have the chop bar. Um, yeah. There's a 21-year-old chicken who is the oldest chicken in the Guinness Book of World Records. What? I have not heard about this. Yeah. A chicken named Pepper, I think. And <laughs> <laughs> Lemon Pepper? So, oh, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so salt already died? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I, I imagine what will happen during Pepper's funeral. <laughs> you, you would think salt would have held out longer than Pepper. Damn. <laughs> All right, and uh, the last thing. So there's a woman, there was, this is an article in the Huffington Post. A woman uh, claimed she was married for a man for 19 years but never shared the same bed. Basically, I guess they've worked it out where, sure, they have sex in the same bed, but I guess it's snoring or whatever. They just worked it out, and I'm not even sure I've why. I've heard people, yeah, I've heard <clears throat> it is. But. I'm always fascinated by how people, like relationships, we talk about normalcy. Uh-huh. There's no normal when it comes to nope. what is a relationship. Most of my relationships, after about three months, Mm-hmm. Turn into S and M relationships. <laughs> they sleep by masturbate. You know? <laughs> there you go. And with that, Joseph Leonardi, let's get an origin story. Where were you born and raised? And- I was born in Des Moines, Iowa. Is Ooh. that right? Yes. Yes. Wow. Middle of the country. Yep. yep. Hawkeye country. Yes. Yep. Uh, Cyclones. I'm an Iowa State grad. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned the Hawkeyes. That's no, no, right. No. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> Siblings. Uh, Siblings? Oh yes, yes. I, well, I have, I had three brothers. One died quite unexpectedly mm-hmm. during COVID. Matter of fact, it was oh, wow. a, it was about a week, two weeks before we started shooting the film, mm-hmm. and he was working in a meat packing factory and doing some, you know, maintenance work. And some part of this machine was supposed to be shut off, and it cycled and. Oh no! And wow. hit him in the head and just just killed him. Yeah. Was there a settlement or anything like that? I hope it was quick. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that's he. They said there was just enough time for him to say, "Oh fuck," uh, you know, which is. I yeah. wouldn't mind those last words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'm hoping that your family. I mean, because that's an industrial yeah. injury. Yeah. The the it's the oh you know all the 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 niece will get all of that. But yeah, there. Yeah. There's a there's a lawsuit. Yeah. Are you the oldest or youngest? I am the youngest. Okay. Oh, yep. of how many? Six. Hey, hey. I know it. My mother, she must have felt like a Pez dispenser. Just <laughs> Jeez, girl. <laughs> it's funny. My dad is the youngest of eight, and he would talk about, I guess he was the one who had to do the running around for all the kids or whatever, but I guess the parents were old enough that he got to get away with a lot of things that you know the older old siblings could not. Oh, Same as the you. younger one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, by the time they reached me, that was like, uh, and this one's gay. <laughs> <laughs> of course. In Iowa. Now, how, how was that? I mean, how, you know, is, I don't know if you want to tell that story. Which, which, in other words, being oh, gay in Iowa, that's not the, the most oh, ideal place to, to come well, out. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was a very effeminate kid. I mean, I had such a swish, I think I hypnotized people as I walked down the street. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to open the closet door. Yeah. I just slid the beads yeah. aside, you know. Which like, means you were brave. I mean, you were brave yeah. to do your thing. Yeah, yeah, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it was Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, when you're younger and you're just a, like a little kind of femi sure. kid, it's not that mm-hmm. big of a deal. But when you get start to get yeah. 12, 13, and then, you know, your friends are going for the girls and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, I'm like, this is a fork in the road. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew when you were like 13 or 12. <clears throat> I knew when I was in kindergarten. Mm. Wow. I, mean, I just knew. Mm-hmm. I had a gay aunt, I think. And I mean, I, I know I did. I had a gay aunt. <laughs> but... Um, but so I knew what gay was. Sure, sure. And, you know, and mm. there was a kid in my class, Kevin King. His mm-hmm. carpet was right next to mine. Biggest queen in the world. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Knew it then, too. Right, yeah. right. You know, it's so funny talking because we've had a couple of millennials on, those who are out and those who are mm-hmm. very brave. And I was talking with uh, this. I don't know if you know Sherilyn Connolly, but uh, she is a uh, trans woman, and I've worked with her with the Dark Room, and she's even written a book out about, mm-hmm. you know, what it is, you know, living um, and being out and free and open. And she lamented how uh, jealous she was a little bit about the younger generation and how free they are at right. a young age to do that in a time where she could not do that. Right? I love it. I love that they're so open. Yeah. And, you know. Right. Yeah. That they don't have to go through that. Right. I love that. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, you... But it's not like it's, you know, especially now what's going on with all We're the trans We're trying to go back. We are so trying you know, to... Well, yeah, they're just that. starting with the trans. Yeah. And immediately, as soon oh, as I they know. get one law in place, they're like, okay, and now let's go after them. Yep. Yep. Wait, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Yep. Yeah. So were you were you a theater kid in high school? Uh, I was in high school, yeah. Yeah, big, big theater, theater, theater guy. <laughs> I was going to say theater fag, but yeah. plus, that's true too. Well, I mean, you could have done tech, or you could have yeah. done. I mean, a lot no, of. No, I was an actor. I was always an actor. That's mm. that's that's what I love mm-hmm. the most. I mean, I like writing. I like uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, directing a little bit. But, sure, but mostly acting. Now, did you know that this was your thing? Not not like a uh, well, I'll do this for a little bit and then move on with life. But mm-hmm. you well, know, this was your calling. <clears throat> well, get this. Okay, so. I kind of always thought I would do it, mm-hmm. but then I, uh, when I was probably, I think 20 years, I tested HIV positive. Mm. And so mm. I, that I just lived my life doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, didn't know, you know, what was going to go, if I was going to live, I didn't know. Yeah. So it, in that way, it was a kind of a blessing that I just did that. It's interesting. I mean, um, I would, I would think the moment of getting that diagnosis would uh, be just so jarring. I mean, well, so yeah, I bet in the you, moment. Th- this happened when you were twenty. Yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Okay, this yeah. was even before Magic Johnson. I mean, this oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the eighties, that's yep. almost like a death sentence. I mean, a lot of people felt it would, yep. it would be that way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember my 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 very the very first person I saw 
that had AIDS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I went to go see him in the hospital, and I opened the door to his room, and it, he, I was just flabbergasted because he looked like this old man, and he was like, you know, my age. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, oh. This can't happen to me. I just don't want to this don't I can't have this happen to me. Yeah. It hasn't. I mean, you know, yeah. you are thriving. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're taking your medication and you're doing mm-hmm. everything that you need to do. I mean, I think about Rock Hudson. Didn't Rock Hudson I th- I believe he died of AIDS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, around this time, right? Mm-hmm. The 90s. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, um college. Did you go to college? I did. Oh, of now, course, I Iowa Iowa yeah. State. Yeah. Well, see, I went to I went to Simpson College. I went to Drake University, mm-hmm. and that's when I tested positive, and then I dropped out. And then oh. I went to Grandview College, and I didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. I left it undone for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I went back at 48 before mm-hmm. I moved back out to San Francisco. Oh, well, good for you. Yeah, and finished it. Yeah. It was great. But walking around the corner, and these young kids would come around, and like, oh, they'd be shocked. I'm like... <laughs> right. Okay. Like, who's yeah. grandpa? You know? Yeah, or, right. fac- or faculty member or something like that. Right. Yeah. Did you study theater? I did. In college? Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Norm and I, we always have this debate about whether to study theater or just, you know, go with your talents or whatever. And I mean, what do you, what do you think? Whatever works, I, you works. You know what? I think whatever works. I think <clears throat> I think if you're working, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're. I think, <clears throat> I, I don't know know if you know this but i founded the repertory theater of iowa in i did not know that yeah. it was fantastic in 2004 i moved back to iowa from mm-hmm. sales immediately after this yes yeah wow and so um and they just didn't have any professional theater i'm like you des moines are happening enough little town i'm right, like why right. don't you have it and they oh people thought i was crazy mm. they thought it was nuts mm-hmm. and we fucking did it right on and Yay. we built we built a little juggernaut yeah. little theater company mm-hmm. you know i bet the young folks really loved that they were like wow we were looking for something like this yeah and, and there was lots of community theater mm-hmm. right and i would see people i would go to see these plays there and i would think like, oh my god like there's two or three fantastic people and then the rest just pulled the whole quality of the production down so I, i'm like what let's get all these people mm-hmm. the really good ones right in a company mm-hmm. together and you know you got to give something that they're not offering at other right. theater companies yeah. right pay yeah 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 and so that's yeah that was that it's still going it, it's merged with another that's awesome. Company. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's yeah. fantastic. I, because you did disappear after the production. I was like, well, I wonder where he's going. And it was like, well, you know, he went back to uh, to Iowa. But hey, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, you were sowing the seeds. Yeah. You know, I was having a, I had a uh, a crash and burn on methanf- methamphetamines. Oh, <laughs> here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Driving to the Golden Gate Bridge to jump off. And then that was it. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. That was it. So then I, then I moved back to Iowa. Mm-hmm. What a success story. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, you're no, opening great. up. Yeah. Well, triumph over adversity. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, San Francisco is that town. It really is. If there are people who just get there and they thrive, and then there are other people that struggle and struggle, and it doesn't seem like anybody cares one way or the other. Well, I think it's, it's what's great about San Francisco is it's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of freedom yeah. mm-hmm. to do a lot. Yeah. Now, it can take you down a dark road. Right, too. right. Yeah, sure. You just have to be a 
you know. Depends on how disciplined you are inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, and me, no, not disciplined at all. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I mean, you found a home. I mean, uh, now tell, tell us a story about how you came to San Francisco in the first place and how you got involved. I imagine East Enders was the first company you were involved with here? Yeah, I was, uh, oh. I got, um, well, I would. I, I was living in Iowa at the mm-hmm. time. I had moved from Kansas City back to Iowa, mm-hmm. and um, and I was just hating it. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" And mm-hmm. there was this guy that I met, at the, befriended at the bar, and um, he one day was saying, "Oh well, I was saying I was going to ask you if you wanted to come with me because he had this like he had this chateau that he." had an Aspen and he oh. sold it and part of the deal of selling it was he'd get to stay in the master lodge oh. ev- once a year during uh-huh. June. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he would go after the ma- month then he would go to LA mm-hmm. fly back to Sydney get on his yacht and just tool around the... <laughs> Damn. So okay. he was like do you want to go life. with me? Yeah. I'm like yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but we made it as far as Aspen mm. and then um, and then I, I just I, I knew I couldn't I, I, I can't be a kept person. You right. Know? Free money is the hardest money I've ever had to work for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <clears throat> so we parted ways and I came out here and I really I didn't do theater for like the first couple of years. Okay. And somebody was uh, I was talking about it and he my buddy says, "Yeah, I hear you talking about it all the time, but I don't see you doing it." Oh. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, you're right, you know." Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned for um the Untold Decades, which was Robert Patrick's it, it was Great. Oh, it's a bunch of one acts from uh-huh. the twenties to the nineties, huh. and each act, each one act is a gay romantic comedy in okay. each decade. Uh huh. And so, oh, what company? Wow, did that? that was that was EastEnders, kind, oh. kind of pre eastendery Yeah, I, I guess Chuck Polly was putting together something. Yeah, in, in yeah. he was putting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shit. I wish I'd been aware of that. I like Robert Patrick. Oh my god, it was so great, and it, he stayed at our at my house Mm -hmm. for a while and my buddy and I this is you know we were we were waiters we didn't Mm -hmm. you know right we didn't cook at home much and Mm -hmm. we were going to make him a a spaghetti dinner Uh and so we got you know we had to cook it in two pots because we didn't have it and we go to open the silverware drawer and there's no silverware (laughs) I mean, we just, we never ate at home. That's we were funny. working restaurants. And we're like, so we ended up getting some plastic forks somewhere, mm-hmm. I think from the neighbors downstairs. And we're at this little tiny table. Um, and we didn't have any napkins because uh-huh. <laughs> all of our money went to booze, you know? Right. And, uh, and so we were just sharing a bath towel and, you know. Oh, <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> I shared a bath towel with Robert Patrick. This is my quarter. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, that is, that is no, that was a really cool story. The early days of Easterns, because I really only came in with Easterns around. And matter of fact, that was my first production. I stage oh, managed really? Wonder. Yeah. And you, Jennifer Daly had stayed man sick, but it was uh, it was uh, this thriving company mm-hmm. because I was breaking up with uh, a theater company called Bay Stage. We had did our third production, which was uh, Water Buffalo, and we ran out of money, and we were yelling at each other, and <laughs> the theater just imploded all by itself, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Zick 
and Travis, who are guys from New Hampshire who are building sets and doing all sorts of cool things, hooked up with EastEnders and brought me on. Yeah. And uh, there's this crazy guy on stage, and Susan Evans had to snap on you because I think you were she, – she told you guys to improvise. Uh-huh. And I think you were improvising, masturbating. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember, but <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and so that was my intro. I was like, okay, that's Joseph Leonardi. individual. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. That was so fun, that production, Wonder of the World and, and Sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, just and the set itself, I mean, it was literally a building on top of, uh, on a theater that would rotate and you would see these. Huh. It was basically a play about uh, lonely people in yeah. the city, you know, in their little apartments, huh. in the li- their own little worlds. Mm-hmm. But EastEnders itself, I mean, what did it mean to you? Uh, what was the, it was the bond with Chuck? It, it was a creative home, and it was probably one of the companies, even more <clears throat> so than the company I started. Mm-hmm. I felt more at home, more supported, hmm. more like people learning from each other uh-huh. and growing and it was f- wonderful. Mm. I could never say enough good things about EastEnders. Yeah, no, and it was. Mm. I mean, you know, Chuck, of course, focused on, there was a Twilight story, his own personal uh, story. Right. about you know, Which just I loved. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, yeah. The Twilight tr- trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I think I only saw the first one. Yeah, yeah. Oh Twilight, my God, which is beautiful. Yeah, which, yeah is, it which, was. Is, which was Chuck's own Story, of course, Twilight is yeah. his mother, yeah. right? Right, yeah, and being gay in the Midwest, yeah, which is your yeah. story, too. Yeah, he Appalachia was his, mm-hmm. so right. Uh, but we, um, we actually did that play as oh, part of uh, of the repertory theater of Iowa. And my high school drama teacher, wow. yeah, who was an African American gal, yeah, uh, she played uh, Twilight. Oh, nice. wow, yeah, that is awesome, yeah, yeah. Wow, I wish Chuck were alive. He would he would love to have heard yeah. that. I mean, was he alive when you guys did it? I think so. I he think died around 2010. Yes, he was, because I remember writing him about it yeah. mm-hmm. and telling him that I, we were we wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then we were, it was like, a, it was part of a fringe festival. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, so we had to pare it down to an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, no, that is awesome. Yeah. Talk to me about and so your dad. You're into you're doing film as well. So talk to me about the film project. Okay, well now I'm into film, so that's mm-hmm. kind of my thing, like writing mm-hmm. short stories mm-hmm. and then turning that into short films. Uh-huh. So I was it was like <clears throat> a little bit pre-COVID, I think. Just I was thinking about this idea for the film This Old Tea Room. Mm-hmm. And a tea room, mm-hmm. for those of your listeners that don't know, mm-hmm. is an old uh, phrase to uh, that gay men use to describe public restrooms where they'd go to suck. Yeah, gotcha. Dick. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they'd go to have they'd go to have sex. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I was in a rehearsal with mm-hmm. EastEnders, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Phillips mm-hmm. was knitting. And I said, Jimmy, what are you knitting? And he says, I'm knitting a, a cozy for my TV remote control. <laughs> and okay. I thought, okay, how do you get any more wonderfully gay than that? Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. so I came up with this idea about uh, uh, glory hole cozies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So, but and I had this idea for a long time. I thought it would okay, it'll be kind of like a like a this old house, but right. this mm-hmm. old tea room. And um, I, but I didn't know what I wanted to say with it. Mm. And yeah. so I just kind of back in my mind right. a long time. And then I was, I don't know, I was sitting at home one day doing some journaling or something. And I just realized, okay, I'm not writing this because I'm afraid it won't be any good. Mm. And that pissed me off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, Joseph, you just, just write it. And if it's no good, then you'll know it. Mm-hmm. Right. But at least write it. Don't let your life go by without writing it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so once it was written, oh my God. Okay. So mm-hmm. the there's this uh, Bay Area Indies, which is a new uh, version of Scary Cow Productions. And it's a film, oh, it's okay. a film cooperative in sure, San yeah. Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people get together and they just help <clears throat> make each other's films. And it's yeah. really wonderful and fabulous. Mm-hmm. And they have a uh, screen uh, writers group. Mm-hmm. So uh, I took it there. And, you know, writers are notoriously not good actors. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. right. butchering my work. And, oh, my God. It was just, just, <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't stand it. But I did get some good feedback. And uh, and so I went and I, you know, did some editing. And I got it to a point where I think I, I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I approached Craig mm-hmm. Souza, who I met. Well, I met him outside. As a matter of fact, I, he, I, I got him involved with an EastEnders show. Uh-huh. And that's how he got uh-huh. involved with EastEnders. So. Wow, you brought him yeah. in. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. And so... Anyway, so I said, oh, I said, Craig, I, I've, I've written this screenplay. I, I, I would, would you like to direct it? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I've never directed a movie. And uh-huh. I said, well, I've never written a movie. Let's do this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was great. It was really, it was so yeah. much fun from beginning to end of yeah. the whole process. And it's gotten screenings? It's gotten screenings? Oh, yeah, yeah. We won the uh, audience favorite in the San Francisco Queer Film Fest. We were an audience favorite in the Palm Springs awesome. Film Fest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it on Vimeo or is it it's, something that the public can see? It is on Gay Binge TV. Okay. And uh, Gay Binge TV. I yeah. love it. Which And then I'm also going to post it on YouTube. Great. So. Yeah. I figured, you know, that Vimeo, I mean, people need to see it. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. And you're also doing... Um, you're doing the Twilight Zone thing. Um, well, we did. We, yeah. we we were rehearsing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, when COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I got COVID. Right. And so, but luckily nobody else in the... Yeah. In the we, we had Eric Johnson on, and I know Eric from Marriage of Bet and Boob. Matter of fact, that's a picture of him right there, who's uh, been heavily involved in okay. the Twilight Zone uh, stuff, parody stuff. So, oh, nice, nice. Small world. Now, hey, have you seen Bob Zick? Yeah, well, Bob Zick is now in L.A. Okay, good. <laughs> he's teaching kids, and we had him on the A uh, via Zoom. Okay. So he's doing really, really well. Nice. And uh, Travis is in Minnesota. <laughs> okay. Travis Bedard. Okay. So um, I don't know Travis. I don't... Yeah, yeah. He and Bob, they uh, graduated from the University of New Hampshire together, and they oh. came out here uh, together. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, so... Now that is fantastic. I mean, you're just just thriving, and you're doing all sorts of creative stuff, and you've conquered. It, it feels to me that theater or the arts has 
helped you conquer whatever inner, all of us have inner demons. I mean, all of us are struggling about little things. I find for me, theater is the one anchor because I'm in a a place where I feel comfortable, where people, Mm -hmm. I can sort of just emote. Oh, yeah. And just get whatever I have out of my system. I love it. Although that may not be the purpose. I mean, the purpose is the script and all of that stuff. But Mm -hmm. if I have any tensions in the home, with the family, with work, Uh I can come to the theater. Yep. Mm. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Totally, I believe it. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Norman, you didn't tell me about um, Much Ado. How, how, how did that go? It was funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking, too, we got to our closing weekend, and people got weepy, and it's going to be closing <laughs> weekend, and we're never going to see each other again. And I'm like, you are young. <laughs> Cause exactly. I, and, and so my response out loud was... We're gonna see each other again. What are you talking about? Unless you're not, unless you're gonna die or retire from theater, we're gonna see each other again. Why are you worried about this? Mm-hmm. Um, this is out in Livermore. Uh, mm-hmm. They do it at the Darcy Kent Winery, which means we set much ado. Leonardo, much ado takes place at Leonardo's estate, mm-hmm. and I was Leonardo. Um, and we decided the estate was the winery, and so it was perfect. It was a lot of fun. Um, really reduced cast, I think seven. Um, got to play with the clown. So at first I was just happy to have a summer gig. And I'm reading back through the script and I'm realizing, oh, I have the first line. Like I'm the first thing. You can look at the folio. The first thing it says is, enter Leonardo, governor of Messina. Like, <laughs> So first line of the play, second to the last line of the play. And when I was trying to get off book, I started, well, how many scenes do I have? So I started looking through and I'm like, oh, I'm in more than half the fucking scenes. Jesus. So that meant I had to interact with the clowns, um, all of the Beatrice and Benedict um, banter. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of the I'm sort of like the appetizer mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I'm I'm in it with one of them for a few lines. And then I and then always Leonardo sort of bows out. Ah, yeah, you kids. <laughs> and. So yeah, no, I had a great time. It was weird being in a cast where I really was the oldest person. Yeah, we're all getting there. Yeah, that'll <laughs> happen more and more if you keep doing it. And <laughs> mic up. No. I just did it. I just did it um, this spring. I had gone. I worked with Word for Word, and we were we had Bob Ernst in the show, who is approaching eighty. Wow. And. Dude was rolling around on the floor. He was doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> wow. um, and yet he was also making these choices that were just so singularly him. Yeah. And so effortless. <clears throat> it seemed effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I do feel that a lot right now. I feel like there are moments where, to me, it just makes sense to do this. And people are like, wow, that was that was a great choice. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's weird to, and the my favorite thing, being out in Livermore, triple digit weather. I'm a Southern California boy. Uh, I need that heat in the summertime. Me I cannot. Too. I, this pisses me off. This is the first year where I have not been pissed off about the way the weather is in the Bay Area during the <laughs> summer. Um, but you know, it helps if I get to spend two months. In the heat. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to so, say, I, lo- I love the heat myself. Yeah, no, it's so. fantastic experience. And my experience with uh, working with lower bottom players mm-hmm. and with um, radio golf, it's it really interesting because you know the play. Yeah. It's August Wilson's last piece, and it's basically about um, the, the, the surface of the piece is basically about an individual who's running for mayor, and he's involved, involved with a redevelopment project, but right. his success 
will mean the destruction of a home that belongs to a lower class individual right. who's a part of the community. So right. he needs to uplift himself by stepping uh, on someone else. Who's a part of his family, he yes. finds out yeah, exactly. at the end of the play. And it's funny because that's so subtle. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle moment when you see you see him getting drawn into this person's plight. But when you really dig into it and you realize there's a family connection here and that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Although you would think he would still have compassion even if you were not family. Well, I, I think yeah, the play yeah. the play really doesn't focus on the family side of it. It really yeah. focuses on that. Wow! In order for you to gain power, you are going to step on these people, right? But and, I, I like the touch that it's a family mm-hmm. member, though, too. Yeah, right. Because that's an extra. Little yeah. yeah, and you know the cool thing about it is because we're working with individuals who do not know anything about right. You know, like I'm coming from my office at the DA's office with my suit on and my right. And these folks, I mean, they're not like urban. I mean, they're not really, really young. Right. But they don't really know anything. It's one of those things where you get a script mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have to step into a character, which means you need to get an education about what is real estate. Right, right. You know, what is, you know, making a deal with Bernie Smith, this white guy going to a golf club and negotiating mm-hmm. with these, you know, elite white people right. so that you can lift yourself up. And, of course, there's assimilation and yep. there is... You know, how much of your community are you bonded with? Mm-hmm. How much do you really care? Yeah. And the price he has to pay. Yeah. You realize that your compassion for this old man means you're going to, your wife will probably leave you. Mm-hmm. Your right. Friend, your friend with Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a real friendship? Mm-hmm. You're jeopardizing their money and their esteem, their prestige. Right. They don't have the moral compass that you do. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's one of the things, do you is the price how how big is the price do you know what the price is right and it's cool for these young folks getting to the script getting an education mm-hmm. and learning about acting learning about right. beats yep 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 you know i had one guy say you know what do you think about this thing i'm like you know if the if the friendship with you and Harmon, I'm talking about the guy who plays Roosevelt. Right. The stronger the friendship is in the beginning they're dancing blight 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 right, yeah, right, the right, game's right. all here the greater the tragedy is in the end when you guys are yelling at each other, calling yourselves house niggers. Right, right, yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, built that up. So, it's almost like a little mini lesson as to how to structure the beats. Well, how to recognize that's in the script. Yeah, right, right. Right, exactly. Script analysis. Did mm-hmm. you, you were in it. You were active. No, no, no. no, no. I was stage I was managing. Stage managing. Oh, but, stage you know, manager. but they still will ask me, hey, you know, what'd you think of this or whatever? Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool to... Because it's not just theater where you're dancing and singing and mm-hmm. you're putting on a show and the audience is like, yeah, 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 that's wonderful. But there's an education that's going on. Right. And, of course, Dr. Ayo is putting this on because, mm-hmm. sure, it's in Pittsburgh in 1997, but, hey, it's happening right it's here. It's Oakland. It's West <laughs> Oakland. Very much West Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to see that. I had, that, that was my COVID. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's fine. But, yeah. you know, just seeing how a script can... Uplift because these, you know these these guys aren't going to be the same after the script. You know, right. They're going to think a different way. Right, they're going to see the whole dynamic of what's happening in their community in a different nice. way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's gorgeous, and the audience that comes out for that is going to get that same education. Right, exactly. Which included, um, I think, there was a member of the board of supervisors in Oakland who came. So, oh, nice. It was, yeah. Really, really, um, Doctor Io, she's bringing in. I mean, there's something really interesting going on with low and bottom players and. Baldwin Theater. I'm working on a Baldwin project, and we're about to we're going to do a showcase in November, and 
I had to, so I had to submit information so they can, you know, keep track of the publicity and all that. And, and I'm like, well, um, a big part of this is we just want people to know what's going on, but you know, who is your community? Who is mm-hmm. your audience? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I am not naively saying our audience, this is a black play for black people. Cause I, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what makes James Baldwin important is that he has something to say to yeah. all of us. Yeah. 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 So I want those. Well, we've done, we've done some readings. Reg has been involved. Um, to have particularly gay white men coming up to me afterwards and saying, I was a teenager when I read that, and that means so much to me, Giovanni's Room. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, that's, so who's my audience? My mm-hmm. audience is anybody, I mean, I can target those communities and say, yeah. you might want to come out and see this, but I think our audience is broader than just a specific thing. Absolutely, and it's so fascinating, James Baldwin, because Baldwin talks about, him talks about, how he's an alien in the black community because he's right. gay. Right. He's an alien in the gay community because he's black. Right. right. And of course, he's an alien in the rest of the community, the white whatever community, because he is so other. He's so different. Yeah. Yet, in spite of all that, he is, you know, out. He's uh, speaking. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. go on YouTube and hear a quote right. where the camera just picks him up. It's as if, you know, something happened in the mid 60s or late 60s where they want to, hey, What's happening in the black community? Can someone articulate what's going on? Mm-hmm. And Baldwin is right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, do, you, do you ever see that? Uh, the uh, kind of debate between him and William F. Buckley. Yeah. Buckley. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fact, the fire down below. There's a book yes. about it. Yeah. Fire next time. Fire next time. Thank you. I keep yeah, yeah. on doing that. Yeah. 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 It's nice. You know. Yeah. No. It is. It is awesome. I feel. He's almost like a tragic figure. I mean, uh, and Joe, I don't he know is. if you can talk I think about. So, yeah. I mean, you you have been out and open. I mean, you you know at, at the age of ten were like, hey, listen, I don't even give a damn. Who well, knows? I did. I did give a damn. <laughs> yeah, I just. But you uh, weren't going. You weren't. Yeah. You weren't going to let it shut you down. You weren't no. going to be stay in the closet. Right. And I'm sure you can understand how James Baldwin, because you know oh, we, yeah. we we've done a bunch of uh, plays and things about how Baldwin. I mean, he may have written Giovanni's Room. But the protagonist is white. Mm. He's not writing about himself. Right. So he sort of dances around. But he was he was very outspoken, very authentic, very yes. himself. In a, in a mm-hmm. time that just required real boldness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Real boldness. And it's like, you know, it, it makes me think, you know, like and there he's hanging around with, uh, you know, Maya Angelou and. Mm-hmm. You know, all those folks, all yeah. those, you know, those are the people. I mean, you know, who you want to hang around with. <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you know, not mm-hmm. not somebody, you know, staid and white-shirted mm-hmm. and respectable. <laughs> I right. Mean, not that they weren't respectable, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, not... You know, I don't. I, well, I mean, it's he. He wasn't afraid to speak his mind, yes. even if his mind. I mean, he even did that when he was in Paris. You know, yeah. um, you know, just saying what he felt and not caring. You know, whose toes he's going to step on. Yeah, yeah. And that he had to be there, mm-hmm. and felt. But then it felt he had to come back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. For what what's going on at the time? Yeah, he had his little heaven in Paris. Mm-hmm. Step back into the hell. Don't bring. (laughs) Well, and it was. I mean, that's, you know, 68 is a horrible year, and he's watching people who he was deeply connected to Mm -hmm. just die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 
It's got to be a hard time, especially as an activist. And it's funny because he doesn't identify as an activist, mm-hmm. but right. um, he is very much in that connected to that community. So to watch these people just being taken out has got to be just yeah hard yeah. to reconcile yourself with. I had a quick question. So the last podcast that I had was with uh, Kiende Koyejo. She came back oh, with yeah, uh, yeah. an actress, uh, Koa Opera. She had a one-woman show, Oh, okay. Brain Like Berkeley. Um which uh, was at Brava, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Brava's doing some wonderful things. Right. But in case, we got to talk about, I use the analogy that sometimes schools that teach theater can be like, we were talking about, you know, if you have training, mm-hmm. uh, it could be like a barrel. Let's say your talent is a bullet. I'm throwing this analogy, you tell me if it works or not. Uh. <laughs> but um, let's say an individual has talent. But no training. It's almost mm-hmm. like scattershot. You know, sure. it's, it's mm-hmm. out there. Maybe it hits target, but you can go all sorts of places. But there are some schools or some trainings where the barrel is so tight mm-hmm. that the bullet can't even come out. Well, yeah. It's almost like overtraining. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Do you think that's possible? Or do you think, I mean, that does that analogy make sense? I think a lot of people is there a get danger with tossed to the, to the wayside because they don't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, I think... Um, you know, is it is it you know a guardrail? Is it like mm-hmm. a like some a guide post, or, or is it constricting? Gate, gatekeeper. Right. Yeah, and if it is constricting, it's got to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, have you had when you went to school? I mean, do you still hold on to some of the trainings that you had, or well, a lot of it do you throw away? I, I mean, you know, some of it's like intuitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, but I'm always looking at. Okay, what's, you know, basic, like I learned in the Stanislavski. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Right. And so, you know, I, I do a, a lot of that. Like, what do I want? What mm-hmm. am I saying? Why am I saying it? Where am I sure. moving? Why right. am I moving? Yeah, mm-hmm. justifying what you do. Yeah. yeah. And as, as a, I mean, you're not a director of your films, but I'm sure you get, you're involved in casting, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're looking for the talent that can convey a lot of those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just to capture the energy, like three of the people that I cast really had no theater experience mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. One was a just a wonderful drag performer, mm-hmm. um, but you know, funny mm-hmm. and just a, a, a joy about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really quite uh, mm-hmm. wonderful. One was a sexy little uh, Latino guy, mm-hmm. and then Billy, who played the cranky old. Did you see it? No, no. Oh no. my god! Oh my god! I got. I'll, I'll have to send you the link. Sure, please. Mm-hmm. I have to send you the link. Yeah, but a bit. But it worked. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, it was yeah, great. They, they all... And then Danny Shay was in it. Mm-hmm. Ah, so yeah, man. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. What are your new projects? What are you working on now? Well, <clears throat> it's the story of when I was publicly outed at the age of eight years old at the uh, Hilltop Family Restaurant Bar and Billiard Parlor in Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. Was that traumatic? I mean... Oh, it was traumatic at the time, but it's hysterical now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very funny. No, it sounds like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're working on right now, as far as writing or... Well, it's written. Yeah, okay. It's, I have a... So now it's... uh, you know, I'm just in the process of paying down some debt, sure, so sure, then sure. I can, you know, yeah, get the money to go forward with the next yeah. project. So I'm hoping for next um, 
uh, next summer to shoot. Okay. Yeah. So you think in the next, I don't know, five or ten years, this is what you go, you'll be doing, just film and just putting stuff out there? I think short stories and turning those into mm-hmm. short films, yeah. Right mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Do you jump into the other, um, do you think, is your ultimate goal to, let's say, I don't know, um, put something on Netflix or something like that? or? Um, <clears throat> my goal is to do really, really good work. And get it out to the world any way I can. Yeah. So my mission mm-hmm. is to write queer plays, tell queer stories, make queer movies, and bring them unto the world. I hear you. That's my mission. Yeah. And you're on your way. I mean, you've already done a bunch, and you'll be doing a lot more. Yeah, very awesome. cool. <laughs> um, um, birthdays. Birthdays. God, it's been a while. It has. But I'm still going to just keep it to this week. Because <laughs> um, the list is big enough. Jeez. Uh, so Susan Jane Harrison mm-hmm. um, is an amazing actress in the Bay Area and has, I think, this... Um, she may be in the upcoming Playgrounds uh, cadre of writers mm-hmm. this uh, coming season. But anyway, uh, her birthday is today. Linda Tillery, who is more of a musician than a theater person, mm-hmm. but I auditioned for Cal Shakes's Lear, was it last year, the year before, and uh, walked in the room, and there's Linda Tillery, and I was like, oh, no, actually, I'm conflating things. No, this was, they were remounting uh, Black Odyssey, mm-hmm. and I got called in, not knowing that it was going to have music component, and there's Linda Tillery sitting there, and I was like, oh, I would like to meet you under other circumstances. <laughs> Did you do Lear? I didn't get in, though. No. Oh, damn. No. I ended up doing uh, the Mime Troupe show oh, okay. last Great. summer. Great. Uh, Joya Corey has been, uh, is a performer and has been an improv teacher in the Bay Area. I remember when I first started, when I first signed up for TBA's magazine, seeing her ads. So it's been a minute. And then Jesse Franklin Charles Vaughn is a young man who was dating an actress. I was doing... Um, with um, their, they were Ubuntu. They're now um, Oakland Theater Project. Uh, they were doing Death of a Salesman. I was in the cast with this beautiful young woman. She was dating Jesse, so he saw me. He came to the show a number of times. We got to know each other. I go to see him in a play, and it was one of the most horrible experiences I had. I mean, the story was just so viscerally. It was a gut punch. I mean, it it was painful to sit through, and his character had almost no redeeming qualities. Mm. So when he came out afterwards and saw me with this big smile and went to hug me, I know I gave him the stiffest hug I've ever given anybody in life. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I'm still paying for that. <laughs> that was like five or six years ago. But anyway, his birthday's coming up this week. Dorian Lockett. Yes. I'm stealing that one from That's you. That's okay. Um, Dorian Lockett, amazing barrier actor and somebody we talk about a lot on this show, especially when we get into discussions of union, non-union. Yep. His birthday's he tomorrow. Is, his, he is now a union actor. Uh, Daniel Holzman, I know him because he was connected to a young playwright. Um, so one of my favorite plays of the last decade. Um, and I'm not sure what the connection was between them. I don't know if they co-wrote or he was normally his director, but um, his birthday's coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Julius Rea, who I am hoping... Aha! We've yeah, had him on. We've had him on, and I'm hoping he will help us with the Baldwin Project because I... I need that black gay yeah. male 
Do you think he'd person. be Baldwin? Not Baldwin, but um, he said he was interested in seeing how the project developed. Cool. And I'm like, dude, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Keep keep me honest. Let me know about that. We're yeah. Doing it. By the way, if, if you know of anyone who could play a young Baldwin. Okay. Okay. I've got a couple of leads. Josh Marks, um, I got to do a play called Everyday Alice. It was a retelling of the Alice story as a mental health thing. Modern. It was, it was bizarre. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Stephen Bass is somebody I've known since my improv days, way back when I lived in San Francisco. And it's amazing to me, again, another weird thing that happens as you get older is somebody walks up to you who you've not seen for, like, maybe decades you're like, uh, yeah, I do know you, but... Yeah, exactly. No, Your memory no, bank can't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, Cleavon Smith, mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever actually interacted, but he is an up-and-coming bay- playwright in, in, in America. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, Tracy Held is another playwright who is now in L.A. and doing screenwriting stuff and really pushing all the information on the strike. So every time I look online, if I'm oh, wanting strike the information. Strike. I keep reminding myself that that's still going on. It's still going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ruthie Deneen uh, is now the executive director of the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts. She's also a musician, mm-hmm. um, and we worked a lot. I teach theater there, so we mm-hmm. worked a lot together. Lauren English is, um, I don't know what her official title is, but SF Playhouse is her house, is the place where she works. Um, Anna Schneiderman <clears throat> was running the flight deck okay. um, for Ragged Wing, her mm-hmm. company. Um, not sure what they're doing now. It's so funny as people kind of move on to new things. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I have is uh, a Remembrance, a Rest in Peace. Um, mm-hmm. Luis Orpezo was an amazing Bay Area actor, um, Latino, actually helped to move the Latin theater scene in the Bay Area for a while. Like, I was lucky when I first got here, that was sort of burgeoning, and he was very much helping to make that happen, as well as appearing in shows at ACT and at The Magic. I was like, damn, hardworking mm. man. And, <laughs> you know, he's been gone for a while now, but his birthday comes up this week, so I want to yeah. remember. My list, uh, Carrie Ann Roscoe, uh, we've had ah, her yes. on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, wonderful uh, actress, great voice. She's just, I, I'm just in love with her voice. But uh, we've worked with, uh, I've worked with her with the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Her birthday is August, was August 31st. Um, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and another person who graduated with me was David Brannan. An excellent, he was one of those triple threats. He is a singer, dancer, uh, a visual artist. And uh, sort of a model. I mean, you. I'm looking at his picture right yeah. now. That's 51 years. That's 52 years old. 53. Uh, no, cute, 52. Cute. Yeah. No, actually, 54. He's my age. So, he's he's doing something I ain't doing. Uh. <laughs> uh, and on September 1st, uh, Scott Munson, yeah. one of my favorite playwrights. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, talk about Twilight Zone. He's written a bunch of them. As a matter of fact, he wrote the one we were. I was gonna, gonna do. Gonna do. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. Yeah. Wonderful script. Yeah, and he really captured the essence of it. No, Scott is man, Scott is magnificent, and his birthday was yesterday. Tomorrow, Sheila Veramontes. We've had her on. Her and her sister. Um, oh, yeah. Anita, mm-hmm. singers, right? <clears throat> uh, Italian singers, and um, so uh, she will be. I'm sure she's doing something right now. Uh, her birthday is tomorrow. Were you, they in Civil War Christmas? Is that the one? Uh, no, uh, her sister oh, was in the, Women the, on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Right, Women on the Verge. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kathy Ferber, 
uh, a veteran activist. She was also a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. We had her on and she told a wonderful story of just the golden age of Hollywood and how she, her mother yes. was uh, acted with, I think, Catherine Hepburn and mm. a bunch of those others. Mm. And so it was wonderful listening to those stories. Uh, let's see. Do I have anyone else? A bunch of uh, folks from who are not... Uh, Theater folks. We're, we're that is it. On theater people. <laughs> shows. Theater people. Um, shows. So I'm, I've got them kind of all over the map. Um, I want to mention analogtheater.org mm-hmm. um, is if they, somebody wants the website. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a thing called Mask Mondays, and it's the last Monday every other month. So it'll be towards the end of September. So mm-hmm. we do more podcasting. I will remind again about this. Sure. Um, I have done a couple of Baldwin sneak peeks there. So. Mm-hmm. Not going to do one in September, but... Okay. I don't think we are. We'll, we will see what happens. Sure. Um, and I can go I can go if you need time. Well, the other one was... Oh, there. Um, I wanted to mention this because, again, on the Baldwin tip, mm-hmm. um, there's a thing that's available on the American Masters series, mm-hmm. uh, James Baldwin... Um, piece that's up right now and available, uh, I think for free, mm-hmm. um, but they're only doing it for maybe a couple more weeks, so got to get on it. And I thought I had one more, but oh, the other thing I'd mention is just um, Oakland Public Theater will be doing, I mean, we're not till November, but we'll be doing um, Another a showcase. Well, uh, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I'm Not Your Negro Poet. Awesome. Uh, because people don't always know, you know, realize that Baldwin started off with a focus on poetry. So yeah, that's um, right. That'd we're going to do a nice little piece. I'm, I'm liking the way it's shaping up so far. I still haven't figured out exactly how many actors we're using, but mm-hmm. um, combination of his piece. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his mentors, who was a teacher mm-hmm. of his, was Conti Cullen, who was the first major Harlem Renaissance writer, poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Langston Hughes kind of slipped in for like the next iteration of that mm-hmm. that movement, um, and so he ends up teaching, and he ends up teaching Baldwin. So I love having that sort of sense of these are these are his influences. And then we've been talking to a group. Um, Richard has is part of a poets group, and mm-hmm. they they call themselves the Dumagos because of the cafe in Paris. Mm-hmm. All the writers, famous writers who've ever been there, including Baldwin. So they actually. T- did last month was Baldwin's 99th birthday mm-hmm. and they decided to focus on him for the month so we're going to pick some of those poems that are influenced by Baldwin and put the whole thing together and stage it and nice it'll be fun yep so for those listening to the yay and you want to learn more about the Baldwin project just keep on listening and we'll keep on giving you updates <laughs> tell me updates. a little bit more about that like what exactly are you doing with the Baldwin project well so it was inspired because uh, Richard Talavera playwright um, came to me many years ago and said he wanted to do a Richard Wright centennial project and after he sold me on the project he said no, I don't want to write a single word and I'm like what and he's like well Richard Wright ends up in Paris Followed by all these people who are influenced by his novel Native Son, and then Black Boy, um, and that includes James Baldwin. And there were some wonderful, you know, eyewitness accounts of this tension between the two of them. Because the first thing Baldwin he gets there with no money, no work, and right, very kindly, generously, connects him up with a publishing for a magazine. And the first thing he writes is an essay that basically seriously critiques Native Son. (laughs) (laughs) So he and Baldwin clashed about that until uh, Richard Wright dies in 1960. Until he died, 
Baldwin kept denying that he had done what he later would finally admit, yeah, I guess it was kind of critical. <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was. Um, so that became a sort of a seed for what we would do with this because um, that play was based on all the writings of there were three writers and a, a political cartoonist who were part of this little group who had written about the experiences. And so we liked the sort of clash of these different perspectives. We also brought in a group of biographers. We, we created a panel of three biographers who were sort of like a Greek chorus. Hmm. And we looked at what ended up being like the last couple of years of his life. And Rich ended up playing mm-hmm. Richard Wright. And the poster's right there before the dream. Before the dream. The mysterious death and right. So we actually got right. to do a full production of that. And that was great. But um, Baldwin is a different animal. And yeah. so I've been finding it fascinating. Like the Giovanni's Room mm-hmm. is a wonderful expression of James Baldwin. But if you stage it as is, there are no black people. <laughs> There's no black. So who is the, where is the Baldwin voice? And it's because he is speaking to something larger than who and what he is. But we still kind of lose him in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the poetry that we're dealing with now, Baldwin is strongest as an essayist and he's strongest speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, his plays, okay. Um, his poetry is really him working out some stuff. So it's got an autobiographical edge, which I think is going to be useful for us. But yeah, what will we ultimately be doing? I don't know. Ask me in the spring. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I have to nail down But I think down it'll, be, it'll eventually be a play. Like we'll put together pieces. It will be pieces. a play. Yeah. It okay. will be a play. From essays um, and things like that. But and I want to use his words as much as I can. And so we're actually talking mm-hmm. with the estate right now to see how much permission we've got. Nice. And how much I can, they'll allow us to do. <clears throat> yep. So um, there are some shows that I want to uh, pump out. Uh, Ray of Light Theater is doing Cruel Intentions, um, opening September the 8th, closing October the 1st. Sharon Shaw is in that show, uh, and she's been on the yay. San Jose Stage is doing Bald Sisters, uh, September the 13th through October the 8th. Jeffrey Lowe, as always, is directing that. He's been directing everything. Uh, so we have a link for that. Shotgun Players is doing Wolf Play, opens uh, t- today. And ends uh, October the 1st. Elizabeth Carter's directing that. Yeah, it might be previewing today. Because I, I, I think the opening might be the 8th. I'm okay. Not sure. Okay, I saw on the uh, yeah. the website that it was uh, the 2nd. But in any case, you, the uh, entire month of September, check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie Johnson is uh, the lighting designer. Nice. Maya Herbsman is the intimacy coordinator for that. So a lot of folks who have been on the Yale or be involved in Wolf Play. Mm-hmm. New Conservatory Theater is doing Before the Sword. Uh, that opens September the 15th, closes October the 15th. Kim Donovan and Radhika Rao are in that show. Nice. Together. Uh, so click on the link for that. The Alterina Theater is doing The Birds, that Alfred Hitchcock's piece that is, I guess, there's a theater adaptation for that. Kimberly Ridgway has been directing that, and Dr. Stephanie Johnson has light been the lighting designer for that. <laughs> that woman stays busy. I know, she stays busy, and of course she lighted... Um, radio Golf. <laughs> of course she did. So that's awesome. Uh, the San Francisco Shakespearean Festival is doing Cymbeline. Uh, that opens uh, today and it closes. Uh, so uh, there, September the 2nd through the 10th is in San Francisco. September the 16th through the 24th is in Orenda. Eko Yamamoto is in that show. She is also in Disenchanted, which will be at the San Jose Playhouse. That's sort of a an adult 
version of Disney and a sort of a parody of Disney. Huh. So that should be interesting. That's October the 12th through November the 5th. She's in that, and she will then be in Sleeping Beauty at the Presidio Theater. Every time I talk wow. with Echo, she's like, here, let me sh- let me tell you the shows I'm doing. You know, because I know you're going to be on the A. Hey, use us. Use yes, the A. Please. <laughs> okay, so Sleeping Beauty, that'll be December the 1st through the 30th at the Presidio Theater. Her and Sharon Shaw will be in that. Uh, San Francisco Playhouse is doing Nollywood Dreams. Not Hollywood, but Nollywood. Right. That's September the 28th through November the 4th. Uh, appears Margo, to be an all-black cast. Margot is directing, too, I yep. think. Yeah. And uh, Angel Adidokin, the Sunflower, remember her? Oh. She's in it. And Tanika Baptiste is in it. Hmm. So, uh, the Eugene O'Neill Foundation is doing Anna Christie. Oh, that's right. i got to go see that. Yep. And that, uh, that's that been running all through August, and it closes September the 24th. Adrian Dean is not only in the show, she is the star of the show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I know. Big, big old picture of hers incredible. on that. <laughs> And there are a couple of podcasts. Of course, we always want to pump the black man's heart. Uh, Barry Graves is uh, doing that, so check that out. Mm-hmm. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS. I've got one more show. Oh, do you? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Got Fred Pitson. Fred Pitson's thing. Got extended through October, and I just lost it, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah aren't you? At is the at, Marsh. At the Marsh. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Saturdays at 5 p.m. through October 21st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out the one-man show that Fred Pitts is doing. He had one run. It closed, and now it's got another run. I recommend it. Yep. Um, So, we have uh, The Black Man's Heart. We have Mallory Samara and her day job's KCBS, where she is presiding over two podcasts, As Prescribed, and also um, It's Generational. Check that out. Central Work Script Club has a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with playwright delivered semi-annually. Bindlestiff has the Fobcast. Oh, and including Bindlestiff, Bindlestiff is in uh, Vogue magazine. They landed on Vogue. I guess there's a Philippine version of Vogue. Oh, they have a um, a comedy troupe called the Granny Cart Yank Granny Cart Gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they uh, they've been doing also, and they've been having this uh, skit, this uh, troupe for years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're being recognized by Vogue magazine. So that is awesome. So congratulations wow. to Bendelstiff, and uh, check out the Fobcast. Also, we have Yay jerseys. I've got Yay jerseys on my uh, desk right here. Black, white. It's only $30, so hit me up if you want one. And that is it. Joe, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank you. <laughs> great it was so a pleasure you. to see you again, Rich, and to meet you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, let us know. I've got, I've got my pen now because I want people to see this website or, you know, see one of your um, – I'm sure you have one of your videos online. Yeah, it's uh, – w- well, it's – uh, at Gay Binge TV, okay, got it. Is where you can see that's a gay streaming service. Sure. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, yeah, um, I'm also going to post it on uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. and then um, our website is this old T Room T E A R O O M dot com dot com. And that's the name of the movie, too, This Old Teen Room? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We invite everybody to check it out, and I'll have a link so that people can actually mm-hmm. see it, because we want to promote you. All righty. Well, I think that's it. It's a wonderful Saturday afternoon. You've got your e-bike. I've got my e-bike, yes. so I'm going to ride it out. <laughs> now, what brand is yours? Mine is a, well, it's a Sir Ron. It's, a, it's one of the more expensive uh, bikes. I'm going to sell my Rad Rover, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 
it's just been breaking down way too much. But oh, the okay. uh, the Suron Light B, so I'm, I've been having fun with that. So okay, yeah. I'll check that out. Mine's a hay bike, and I just got it because of the name. Hey, hay bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks cute. It's fun. <laughs> all righty, and um, of course, my usual yay blurb. Uh, we are on uh, all sorts of. Um, um, podcasting Podcast. apps. Yeah. We're on Apple Podcast app. Just that's that purple podcast app on your iPhone or iPad. We're on Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, and now we're on Amazon Podcast. Woo-hoo. Just go on music.amazon.com, search for The A, and you'll find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. I'm at uh, Reg Space, Reg dot, no, Reg Space Clay. And you're uh, Hoosier, Hoosier. Uh, Joe, are you on? You're online. You're on Facebook, I think. I'm. Uh, I'm. I just got off of Facebook. Oh, okay. Oh. I saw yes, Joe Leonardi, but oddly, yeah. But I are did. you on uh, like Instagram, Instagram or X? I guess we're calling it now. You know what? I'm. I'm taking a uh, a little pause Yay. from social media mm-hmm. for a moment. Same. Gotcha. Yep. So if you want to learn more about um, Joe, check out thisoldtearoom.com, mm-hmm. and you'll Perfect. find out about his projects and about him. That is it. Thank you so much. And as Norman and I always say, we we gotta gotta find a better sign off. And we are out. Mm